And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! All right, has everyone had a chance to just exhale, relax, Maybe you took the day off from work. I think it would have been worth it. Uh, what a difference a week makes. A disappointing Jets loss, packed full of mistakes, typical Jets plays, gives way to one of the greatest Jets wins in a long, long time. Whether you're watching live on YouTube or listening to the pod, thanks for joining us. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, hosting along with our Athletic Jets reporter, Zach Rosenblatt, Marissa Dunn, producing, otherwise sitting this one out for logical reasons. Um we are going to talk about the game, obviously, the win, 31-30 over the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, it was over with two minutes to play. The Browns ahead 30-17. to Somehow, the Jets pull this thing out. Uh, before we get into what happened, one thing for the chat. I'd just like to, to see what people come up with, what people's thoughts are. Um, fill out this sentence for us in the chat today. Uh, this was the biggest Jets win since blank. And just let us know... Um, you know, what it goes back to for you. A, a couple of years, a long time, the AFC Championship, reaching the AFC Championship, whatever it is. Uh, Zach, you were there, obviously. In fact, we have proof that you were there after the game. Here it is. If you're listening, you're not seeing this, but on YouTube, Zach took to the field, got his picture taken, a little bit of a selfie with Brownie the Elf, who we obviously talked a lot about on the episode uh, last week, but there he is, Zach and Brownie the Elf. Uh, but Zach, to go take us from, not take us through it, but from two minutes left to onside kick, I guess, and then game over, just, I want to hear about the atmosphere in the stadium. Like what happened in the stadium? At what point did it become scary for Browns fans, silent for Browns fans along the way? Oh man. Um, you know, it was, it was very, it was, it was just like, it didn't even seem like it was real as it was happening, honestly. So it's still strange. Like I, I, cause you get to a certain point in game sometimes where like, you know, it's over. So like you're kind of half watching and half writing. Uh, and then Nick, like Nick Chubb scored the touchdown and I didn't even like see everything that happened in the play. Like I didn't see DJ Reed miss the tackle in my head. I didn't process like, Oh, that was an interesting choice for him not to go down. Like all that stuff. So he scores that. Uh, and then they come back out on the next drive. They throw one pass completion. The next pass, Corey Davis is wide open down the field, 66-yard touchdown. And that that's when it went silent. That's what Joe Flacco even yeah. said. He's like, and this is somebody who's played in a lot of big games, obviously. He said he's never experienced like the level of silence that he that he felt after that touchdown. It's as if like the Browns fan just knew what was about to happen. Like they've been, you know, they've been trained in being a Browns fan as Jets fans are and chained trained me like the Jets have been on the other side of this many times, not this specifically, but um, so Corey Davis scores that touchdown. Um, I mean, honestly, 
they might Browns fans might have already known something bad was about to happen when he missed the extra point after the Chubb touchdown, just to backtrack for a second. Like that's yeah. also something I didn't realize happened to, until later, ironically <laughs> enough, because you know I just I'm like, all right, he probably made it, and then I see there they have the chance to go ahead, not just tie it. I'm like, oh wait, they missed an extra point. What? Um, it's amazing. So yeah, it was the Corey Davis was the the silent stadium. Uh, what's happening moment? But you still are like, all right, well, it's not like they're gonna get the onside kick. Like you just you. I mean, I don't think I've. I think I covered in college, uh, not in college. When I covered <laughs> University of Arizona, I covered them in the New Mexico Bowl in uh, one year. I forget what year it was, and they did like a similar comeback, like like thirteen points in less than two minutes. And I think that's the only time I've ever seen like a successful onside kick in a game. So it's pretty rare. They they executed it beautifully. Braden Man like went like he was kicking it one way, kicked it the other way. Will Parks tipped it to Justin Hardy, and then all and then at that point you're like, oh, they're gonna win. Like everybody knew it in the whole building. <laughs> the Browns, like on defense, were not playing defense. They just like stopped playing defense for some reason. Um, I mean, everybody that's in the chat was, was watching the game. I don't need to go play by play, I guess. But um, and you know, and then then Garrett Wilson scores that touchdown, and then I'm in the back of your head. I'm sure Jets fans are feeling this too. Like the Browns get the ball back. They get, quickly get a long run from Jacoby Brissett. They're at midfield. Really, only would have taken like one throw to the sideline to get into Cade York range. Like that that dude drilled like a 59 yard last week. Uh-huh. And then Ashton Davis, of all people, comes in for his first snap of the season on defense and gets an interception. Like it's like all the pieces of the of like the the guys that did it, how it happened. It's just like it, it's just wild. But you know, if the Jets were gonna win, I guess it wasn't gonna happen any other way. It was gonna be something insane. It had to be, yeah. And we're gonna get into a little more into the detail, specific players, how they did, what this means for the season uh, going forward a little bit. At zero and two versus one and one. I want to start though with just some of the numbers um, that kind of go into this comeback. First of all, it's their first win in September since the 2018 season, which snaps quite a streak. Uh, they're the first. This one, I think you tweeted this or you retweeted this. First NFL team to overcome a 13-point deficit in the final two minutes of a game and win um, in forever, which is 21 years, yeah. Yeah, which I could not believe that it's been that long. Because to me, like, okay, you score, you get an onside kick, you score. um, But a lot of times when that happens, one of those scores is a field goal, right? So to have to do touchdown, onside kick, touchdown, I guess it's, it's been a long time. Plus, as you just said, onside kicks now are so much harder to recover in the NFL than they used to be. You used to be able to get the running start yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and they'd kick it into the air and it would just be like much more of a random thing. Now it's, it's almost impossible between the kicking at 10 yards and getting your player down there. But you mentioned it, uh, man doing an incredible job. And then the Browns had a 99.9% win probability with 155 to go. And they managed to lose this game. I mean, really <laughs> remarkable. And, so many things had to fall into place. Chubb had to not had to score, right? He had to go in, and you had it in your story after the game um, that I was actually impressed by because you think of you know, yes, it would have been better for him to go down, but he scores. It's still a thirteen point game. But the mindset from what you were describing on the Jets sideline was, okay, we got a chance now. Um, granted, it was a a minor chance statistically. It was a 0.1% chance, uh, but they felt that, hey, now we got a chance. Let's see what happens. Uh, obviously, the broken coverage on the Corey Davis 66-yard touchdown reception. No idea how that happens in this situation in 
in a world where there's prevent defenses out there, how a guy breaks free like that, um, man getting it done. And it's fascinating to me that the punter is the onside kick guy. Did anybody talk about that? The fact that he's the guy they go to at onside kicks, not the place kicker. I, I think they, they've just been practicing that with him. I yeah. think for, probably for a couple of years. Um, I, I talked to Braden. I, by the way, he's like a part of this too. Cause after last week, like one of the main topics among Jets fans was like how much they, they're like, cut him, cut him, cut him. Um, like they like wanted him gone as much as they wanted anybody gone so far this season, uh, including, I mean, Ashton Davis would be the other one. Um, and cause he had a bad game last week. He had that 20 yard shanked punt. Then he comes out today, he punted pretty well. He, he had the, by the way, this like just got forgotten because it didn't ultimately matter. And there were so many other things that happened. He had the fake punt play in the first half. Yeah. Completed. It was a he nice had a, throw. The best quarterback rating of yeah. uh, anyone in the game. There, there's a, there's like a decent amount of time where he had more passing yards. My dog's squeaking a toy in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> uh, so he completed that. Yeah. Then he had this onside kick. Yeah. He said they, they, I asked him, I'm like, so do you guys practice onside kick all the time? Cause you don't like, I don't know. I guess you need to prepare for anything. He's like, yeah, we usually do on Fridays and sometimes we'll also practice it on Wednesday. And I think they practice it both days this week. It's funny. I always hear like that kind of stuff the week, something crazy like that happens. But um, yeah, what was your question? <laughs> I forgot. I kind of went on the sidetrack there. Just the fact that the punter is the, oh, yeah, is yeah. the onside kick guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The punter. Point. Yeah. Like, yeah. They could have been released him because of bad punting. Now you got to keep him around for his yeah. onside kicking. Well, and by the way, they, I mean, it, maybe it makes more sense why they kept him around because he's not just their punter. He also is their holder right. and he, and he does that too. So. Um, I think that's something to keep in mind going forward too. And by the way, Greg Zerline also fans are ready to to gut him after last week, and he hit a 57 yarder. So, um, yeah, encouraging game from the spe- special teams. Uh, we- weirdly, you know, last week it was all defense. This week I thought the defense didn't have a very good game to be honest, and the offense like carried them. Like it, it as DJ Reed said, it and you know. He, I mean, he's obviously going to say it as he's on the team, but if they can get both of them working at the same time, like they're they're going to be in pretty good shape. That's true. That's been a problem for this team yeah. for a long time. Yes. But hey, <laughs> if you can do it, yes. that's true. All right, let's get into some of the players, and we'll start with that offense. Um, obviously, the first guy you have to talk about, and you kind of went through a couple of guys who um, you know everybody wanted to get rid of after week one. Um, everyone also wanted to see Mike White play <laughs> right after week one. Yeah. And here comes Joe Flacco. Uh, the team calling him Cool Joe and all this stuff. But, I mean, vintage? I mean, I don't even know if you can say vintage about Joe Flacco, right? Because, like, is there a vintage Joe Flacco? Maybe Super Bowl Joe Flacco. I don't know. <laughs> but 26 of 44, 307, four touchdowns, no picks. He did have the fumble on the uh, the strip sack yeah. fumble. But the rating, 110.7. And that was a great play, uh, the fumble for us. He was kind of in motion. I don't think he even knew. I mean, it was Miles Garrett, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Garrett was there just flying around the edge. Um, but the things that stood out to me about Flacco was week one, we talked about how Baltimore got pressure on him and he was too slow to get rid of the ball. He's obviously immobile at this point in his career for the most part. And there was just this fear that with this Jets offensive line, how how is it going to get better for Joe Flacco weeks one, two, three at least, maybe more. We'll see how um Wilson when he gets back but in this game a he got rid of the ball felt like on time usually he was hitting the back foot he didn't delay too much um we'll get to the offensive line and and their role in this as well um but he also actually ran for a first down at one point um looked 
not yeah. fleet of foot, but but saw an <laughs> opportunity and was able to take advantage of it. He just looked so much more composed and confident against the team that's pass rushes coming into this just as intimidating as the as the Ravens was. Yeah, you know, we talked about this that they how they needed to if they were going to win this game, I mean, actually Joe Flacco said it earlier in the week, even he, he said about how it, if they might have to do this by doing long drives, you know, and just working their way up the field, running the ball well, quick passes. And that's kind of what they did early in the game. Like he was really efficient. Uh, he's getting the ball quick. He has, clearly has a connection with Garrett Wilson. We're obviously going to talk a lot about Garrett. We can get to that in a little bit, but he clearly has a chemistry and a trust in that guy. Um, and he just like operated the offense. Like I, he, he, there was a couple throws that he made that were bad, but like, they were more good, that, much more good than bad from him. Um, he like it, it, it's funny, like he's 37 years old, and you still were confident in him going out in that last drive that he's going to lead them up the field. And not every quarterback could do that. And you know, it, I was talking about with some other beat writers. Um, they they asked the question like, would would Zach Wilson have been able to guide this 13 point comeback? And maybe he would have. Like it's it's not really fair to say he would or wouldn't necessarily, but we haven't seen that he's capable of doing that sort of thing that Joe did. Just like, you know, come in, don't make mistakes, make the right throws, make the simple throws. Like that that last drive, their whole thing was like, don't go too fast because they were that they were so confident they were gonna score. They're like, Don't go too fast. Let's be meticulous. Let's work our way up the field. And that's exactly what they did and they, they didn't really leave I mean they got the interception anyway. But um so yeah, he was just he was just very efficient. Um I think I was just like in pro football focus, had him graded as the fifth best quarterback in the league this week. That's pretty good. Um, he was throwing the ball downfield more than he did last week, which was almost not at all. I think he averaged something like nine yards uh, in the air. Which Yeah, like you had the stat. Week yeah. one, 4.85 yards per attempt, was 31st to 32. Week two so far, 8.64 yards. So it almost doubled yeah. his yards per attempt. And that was ninth of 27 so far. Yeah, so so they were throwing him more downfield. I think Garrett Wilson had a lot to do with that. He was getting open. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, like it, this feels inevitable because it's the Jets. Like if they win next week, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> if they're two and one going into that game where Zach Wilson's supposed to be back, we're gonna go from fans were calling for Flacco to be drawn and quartered to <laughs> Joe Flacco should probably stay at starter until he he loses kind of thing. Like. Um, it's kind of like it's me like kind of like the Mike White thing from last year where Mike White was great and all of a sudden you're like should are we sure that Mike White shouldn't start? Um, so I'm curious to see how that how that plays out in the fan base. I um, I mean if Flacco has another great game, you, you don't want to ruin the chemistry. I guess I don't know. That's gonna be a discussion for another week, obviously. But um, yeah, you know Flacco is is he's a solid NF, backup NFL quarterback and he can get the job done when he needs to and he hasn't really made like. Like last week, I know he wasn't amazing, but it wasn't like he made these alarming mistakes. The only interception he had last week was when a guy fell. So they should be very encouraged by this. And if the offense can play like this and you know keep going in the right direction, the offensive line keeps getting better. Then by the time Zach Wilson gets back, his supporting cast is going to be like locked and loaded, and then you're just going to be relying on Zach living up to his potential. And that is going to be the story for the rest of the season from that point on. Uh, you mentioned the O-line, uh, two sacks, four quarterback hits, 14 pressures. Five of those were were George Front. Um, overall, though, I think somebody showed a video I saw on Twitter this morning of the final touchdown play and the fact that Max Mitchell did just enough <laughs> to get yeah. in front of the uh, to get in front of. The, the block and, and to get things done to give Joe just enough time to find the uh, the route of the middle, but it wasn't 
it wasn't an offensive line that you're going to sit here and be like, whoa, these guys, they, they really, you know, are one of the better or an above average offensive line, but they did enough against a team that is used to being able to get to the quarterback and with a quarterback behind them who is not quick and Hey, he stood up for most of this game. Yeah. You know, I, I think in the beginning they were getting a, a decent amount of pressure. Uh, a lot of us were coming from Miles Garrett, but again, like the, we, like we said on the preview pod, um, some the best offensive linemen get beat by Miles Garrett. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the strip sack was tough. I, I think Joe needed to show maybe a little better, like pocket awareness. Like he just like was not ready for the idea that he was coming around. And you know, the, the way he was like blocking him to the outside, and he just kind of reached around because he's such a large human. Um, uh, but yeah, gen- but from then from then on, like you know, Miles Garrett made some plays, but you didn't notice him as much, and that's like the best thing you could say about the offensive line. And he did a really good job run blocking. You know, Brees Hall had a pretty good game. Michael Carter was making some good runs. There was one that was called back because of a hold. Uh, I forget who had the hold. I'm blanking right now. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was I was encouraged. You know, I again, like you said, they're not like this isn't your, like we're gonna say they're a top ten offensive line or anything. But if they keep going in the right direction. Again, the biggest concern for Zach Wilson was that he's going to be going. He was going to be going behind this offensive line. That was a problem. At least for me, that was a big concern. So if I, again, by the time he gets back, if this offensive line is rolling and they're doing, and you know, Max Mitchell keeps improving, he's shown some some encouraging signs these last two weeks. You know, still some bumps, but um, they're gonna they're gonna be really. By the way, Max Mitchell he he deserves a shout out because they might not win this game if you know Tyler Conklin has another fumble. They're deep in their own territory, and Max Mitchell immediately jumps on it. If the Browns recovered that, they'd be at like the the Jets' twenty yard line. They would have scored for sure. So um, there's a few plays like that that were that were kind of like sneaky big moments in this game that kind of fly under the radar because everything was like condensed in the last two minutes. But Max Mitchell, he's like a heady player, and that's a that's a positive thing. And they don't really have depth on the offensive line, so it, they're still in a spot where if anybody gets hurt, they're in a lot of trouble. But um, yeah, very encouraged. Elijah Vera Tucker has been very good. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson was better. I think he only had three pressures given up. Connor McGovern was okay. Uh, and yeah, that's all five of them. So, you know, they're on, they're in the, on the right track. Yeah. On the right track. And, and we'll see how that continues to build. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the rookie performances in this game. The lights were not too bright for sure. First road game for these rookies, but first a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about the rookies on the offense. And, Zach, the the Jets may have a star receiver on their hands. Um, Usually it takes time for receivers to develop as rookies. Obviously, you know, we've seen the chases of the world and guys in recent years who have done it as rookies. But usually there's, there's a learning curve. And during the summer, 
it felt like there was a big learning curve for Garrett Wilson, right? That was, that's something we talked about, the fact that he was a little bit slow in, in OTAs and getting up to speed. But, man, did he show on Sunday. Eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game winner. Um, and he just, to me, you can tell when a player is a little bit different, right? A little special when they have the ball in their hands. And he looked like that guy in this game. Yeah, I just want to do a correction real quick. I, it was Jadavian Clowney that did the strip sack, not uh, Miles Garrett. So that's yeah. my bad. I saw some people yep. call me out for that. I am very tired in my defense. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Garrett Wilson, you know, again, this is a, another thing that we were talking about last week. Like they need to get this guy in the field. He clearly has the most juice out of their receivers, like in my eyes. Um, and they clearly rectified that error. And he, he was the number one receiver. He was one of the best receivers in the league this week. Uh, you know, I've been saying since camp, like, you know, he was having a lot of drops in camp, and he had a, he had a bad drop that he made up for, obviously, uh, yesterday. Um, that could have been pretty costly. It was on third down. It would have been a first down in uh, in uh, Brown's territory, uh, and he dropped it, and he was he was getting worried that he was, he was going to cost him the game. Anyway, um, in training camp, like I, the, the one thing I thought, like you look at him, and he's not that he's not that tall. He's not that big. He's like something like six one or something like that. Doesn't really weigh that much. And then you see the way he plays. He plays like somebody who's six four. He, it's kind of like a Justin Jefferson thing. And that's been a popular comparison. DJ Reed said it first. Tyler Conklin said it today. Like the way they move, the way they run routes, their athleticism, um, their route running. Uh, he he just he's very impressive to me. And I, I I said before last week I think he's the most talented receiver on this roster already. And I, and I'm someone who's high on Elijah Moore too. Um, so I, I I really do think they found a stud. I I was I was. We have like a system that we use at uh, the Athletic called True Media. It's like this like deep dive like analytics stat stuff, and I was just like you know just playing around and finding some Garrett Wilson stuff. And I I saw there's a stat called EPA, which is expected points added. It's basically like a wins above replacement type of stat. Um, he had a 17.14 EPA, which is the best that any Jets rookie, uh, I believe receiver, has had in at least 20 years. And it's the best that any Jets receiver has done since Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse in the same game against the Chiefs in 2017. So that's his second game. Um, you know, I, I I tweeted this uh, last night. Like I I thought his ceiling was. You know, I thought he he was had the ability to get to this point. I thought by the end of the year we would be talking about Garrett Wilson in the way that we are right now. I did not expect it to happen week two. Um, you know, we saw even flashes last week on that, like that play he made where he juked a few guys to get almost a first down on that uh, that Flacco heave against the Ravens. But he, he just came out on Sunday, and it was just like one play after another he was making. It was impressive. Whether it was he was making plays after the catch or he he had a few where he juked. One of the touchdowns, I think it was his first touch. Yeah, his first touchdown. He, like, juked the guy at the line of scrimmage, and he just created enough space to get wide open. That happened multiple times. Like, that's that's like a veteran move he's super athletic he's he's tricking these talented cornerbacks already um and the fact that like people are calling him justin jefferson and and i haven't seen anybody say that's insane you got to stop saying that i mean i I guess jets fans are most of the people in my in my mentions but um like i i don't know like i i know it's it's still early and he's gonna have his bumps but the jets have had a hard time finding like a star receiver for a long time and i i really do think they found him and um, you know, th- there was a scary moment where he got hurt briefly, where he, he like landed weird on the sideline and he was kind of down for a while. And then he went to the medical tent. And I think there was, I was a little concerned because he came out limping a little bit. Then he went back in the game and, you know, first he had the drop and then he had, then he had the touchdown at the end, which was another great play where it was, it was like in the middle of the, I mean, the Browns defense again was giving him a lot of space, but I, I was just very impressed with his route running. If, if you're a young receiver that is 
that good at, you know, getting open. I think that's because he's not just relying on his athleticism. He's relying on his ability to do the right thing and trick these corners and, you know, make them bite and, and all that stuff. So, you know, he, he the sky's the limit for this kid. And, and now all of a sudden I, his rookie season potential is, you know, I mean, I hate to say it after one game, but like he, he had, if he plays like this, he has offensive rookie of the year potential. Like I, I don't know many rookies that are playing better than him right now. So. That's funny because a lot of people had Brees Hall picked yeah. as a guy who could be offensive player of the year, uh, rookie player of the year, and and maybe maybe it's the other guy. But another stat you you had um, Joe Flacco's QBR when Wilson was in the game was one hundred two point five. His QBR without Wilson in the game sixty three point eight, and he was clearly his go to guy. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned Elijah Moore and obviously all the talent he has. Um, there's a world where very soon Corey Davis is the, the number three receiver talent wise on this team, right? Like yeah. uh, I saw somebody mention that after the 66 yarder that uh, that's a pretty good play from our number three receiver. <laughs> I, I saw a lot of people, I, I saw a lot of people tweeting that we have the best number three wide receiver in the league with Corey Davis. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure they're quite, cause if you look at the snap count, Garrett Wilson still technically only played like 40 something snaps. There was less snaps overall. Uh, yeah. So I think they still trust Corey Davis more when it comes to like, you know, the run blocking and stuff like that. But it's definitely trending in the direction of Garrett Wilson being like the receiver in 11 personnel. Uh, and I mean, you know, you don't obviously don't wish injuries up on anybody or anything, but like Corey Davis does get hurt a lot. So uh, at some point he might just naturally be the number two and then we'll get Mimsy in there and fans will be happier than ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all waiting for. All right. I mentioned Brees Hall. Let's talk about him as well. Mm. Um, you know, limited action, to be honest, seven yeah. carries, 50 yards, a touchdown, uh, a catch, and 10 yards, and the touchdown was on the catch. Um, but the play breakdown, 17 plays for Hall. Michael Carter had 43. Um, you know, when you look at what they did, it went the other way. Hall was was more productive. Um, so how does that – is that a number that slowly kind of changes as the season goes on, or do you think, like – Next week we get to a, a 50-50 or 55-45 type split between these guys. You know, I, I think it depends on the game script. Um, I, I get the sense that they trust Michael Carter more in as like a pass in pass protection in the passing game. Even if Hall's more that. Not, yeah. <laughs> and and so the point like so if they're in games where they're throwing it as much as they have the last two weeks, I think you're probably gonna see Michael Carter playing more. If they're in a game where they need a they have a lead early. Uh, which would be nice to cover a Jets game where they have a lead that they have to protect instead of a comeback, some miraculous comeback. I mean, that was a fun game, but the preference is like, you know, they're ahead the whole game because that, that would be a fun, fun idea. Um, and, that, and that's kind of the situation where I think maybe you, you give it to Brees Hall a bunch. Um, you know, I, not to dig too much the analytic stuff, because I was curious about like why they were playing Carter so much more. Like, was he that much better in the passing game? And like the same thing with the EPA stuff. I looked at, like, so when, in terms of like rushing plays, like Brees Hall is clearly the better player. But when it's like passing plays, um, when Brees Hall is on the field during passing plays, it was like negative six EPA. Uh, and when Michael Carter's on the field for passing plays, it's plus 13 EPA. So there, there, there's quite a discrepancy there. I think, you know, I'm not, it's not, that doesn't necessarily mean that Michael Carter is like the reason why their passing game is good when he's in there, but he's, he's a smart player. He's good pass catcher. He's a good running back. Like I, I tweeted something last night about how like I think Hall needs to play more, and people took that as me like saying Michael Carter is like not that good or something. I, I think he's a good starting quality running back. I I just think you see it's kind of like how we were talking about Garrett Wilson last week. You see Brees Hall when he has the ball in his hand and he can just do some impressive things. And I think he needs more touches. 
you know, again, it's game script dependent in part, but I, I, I'd like to see Brees Hall playing a little more, to be honest. It's just got, there's an explosive explosiveness to yeah. him that I feel like Carter doesn't have. Although Carter has that little of that as well, but Hall um, just looks impressive when he's got the ball in space. Um, all right. We've talked all about the, the good, I guess. Actually, before we get to the defense, um, I did want to revisit. It was almost unanimous. I asked about this was the biggest win since blank. Um, all kinds of people going with uh, week 16 in 2015, the win over the Patriots. Um, and that one's interesting because of what you think what happened after it, which was, you know, not as good. <laughs> uh, and we'll see what this team does after it. And then a few people saying uh, the Monday Night Miracle uh, as another one for this team. Uh, but Jets fans in sync on the answer to that question, I guess, is what I'll say. All right. Yeah. What I was saying before, it wasn't all good. The defense wasn't good. Um, this Browns team, obviously, they put up 30 points. Um, yeah. Could have been 31 points with the extra <laughs> point. Um, but in the fourth quarter, especially, I mean, the, the Browns moved the ball pretty well throughout. But in the fourth quarter, it really felt like, I don't know if the Jets were gassed at that point, tired, but the Browns were kind of doing what they wanted to do. Um, early in the game, they were running it successfully as well. There wasn't a lot of pressure. Um, so if you look at this game and you say, what do we got to do? What do the Jets have to do better? It, it's this defense it just wasn't what we thought it was. I think we went into this game thinking the defense would have to be the reason they won. And you kind of set it at the top. The offense ended up being that. Yeah. So what went wrong on the defensive side? You know, it's I... Again, like I, I'm new to the Jets relative to like everybody that, you know, expected me to know everything that has happened in the past with the Jets and stuff. So I, I tweeted something like, man, the Browns are really having their having an easy time on like screen passes. And like, Zach, that's been happening <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not that's not new around here because it was like, you know, the, the Jets were going all in and trying to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which even when you even when they were trying, they would just break tackles because those dudes are just so talented. Um I think Nick Chubb had three touchdowns, including the one that he probably wishes he doesn't ha didn't have, and I think something like 100 total yards, something like that. Kareem Hunt was pretty good, um, but yeah, they so they were they were just you know clogging the box, trying to get them uh, to stop the run, and then they would just do these quick passes in the middle of the field or to the running backs out of the backfield, and it was working every time. Um, There's a lot of missed tackles. It's a huge problem they have right now that they need, they need to fix. Uh, Jordan Whitehead and and Lamarcus Joyner, I think, are the biggest problems in that area. They I think they had eight. They each had four missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, the safety spot in general, I'm, I'm starting to get real concerned about. Because I, I was, I thought Jordan Whitehead looked pretty good in camp. Now it's starting to, I mean, again, it's only two games. It's starting to feel like maybe we get why he was as available as he was and why he didn't cost that much. Like he, he maybe he's not the guy that you want as your best safety. Maybe he's better as like a complimentary piece. Because that those two guys have had some some issues. You know, Sauce Gardner got dinged with a with allowing a touchdown on that Amari Cooper play where Amari Cooper just was wide open in the end zone. He seemed like he was open a lot in the middle of the field. Uh, but the touchdown looked like it was another miscommunication between uh, Joyner and Gardner where Sauce thought he was going to get some help and then he didn't, then the help wasn't there. And so Amari Cooper was just sitting there wide open and Jacoby Brissett hit it. I think Jacoby was like 16 of 18 to start the game, something like that. It was a lot of short passes, like he wasn't down the field, but they were just having a really easy time. And I, it was really concerning because um, – you know, we came out of week one saying how how impressive this defense was, and uh, it just they just did not come out. I'm not. I don't want to say they didn't come out ready, but they they just were not tackling well. The pass rush wasn't really getting there. You know, there, there's a sack later in the game with Carl Lawson that he split uh, with somebody. I think Quinnen. 
But yep. before that, like you hadn't, didn't notice Carl Lawson at all. Um, you know, Quincy Williams, I don't think had a particularly good game. Mosley got juked bad by Mosley got juked bad. Yeah. yeah. On the, the Brissett run. Um, uh, I think DJ Reed had a good game again. He was pretty, he's, he's a much better tackler. He's, he's honestly impressed me as a player in general. I think he's even better than I could have imagined, by the way. Um, and he, I don't think he had the, he ironically had the missed tackle that led to the touchdown. And Robert Sala was like, that's the happiest I've ever been on a missed tackle. And DJ Reed <laughs> didn't realize in the moment that he accidentally made the right move. Like he was talking about how he's like, he was like mad at himself for blowing that tackle and stuff. Um, so he he's like a he's still like a, sh- a bright spot. I, I think Gardner was better than like I don't know if he deserved to get dinged with a touchdown. He he actually got banged up at one point and left the game. And Brandon Eccles came in randomly for a couple snaps and had a pass breakup in the end zone against a tight end. Uh, that was really impressive. Br- Bryce Hall inactive, uh, so clearly he's not. I don't know if he's long for this team. I, I I I think he might get traded at some point. I don't know when or what you'll get for him, but. He went from, in air quotes, competing with Sauce Garner to start to being inactive in week two, um, right. which isn't great. But yeah, so I, I have some concerns about the defense, the tackling. I don't think it'll be that. They're not going to play these teams that are run heavy every week. They played two of the most run heavy teams in the league back to back. The Bengals are going to air it out. Like the, They have Joe Burrow. They have Jamar Chase. They have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. Like, this is a team that's not going to run. They have Joe Mixon, but they're, they're not a grinded out team unless unless. A, other teams realize that maybe that's the way you beat the Jets, I guess. I don't know, uh, especially because their corners are good. So it's not going to be like this every week. But I was not encouraged by that game because if that's if that's all you need to do to beat the Jets, and every team's just going to do that. They're going to do dink and dunk, and they're going to dink and dunk the Jets until they make a mistake down the field, which they inevitably do a couple times a game at safety. So I, there, there's some concerns. I'm not ready to like panic or anything like that because we saw what they're capable of in week one. But the pass rush needs to get better, and the tackling needs to get better. And need to figure something out at safety because it, it's a problem. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Jacoby Brissett just looked really comfortable for most of yeah, this game, right? That's like, and that's not it, a yeah. guy that should look comfortable. He no. should look like a backup quarterback, which is basically really what he is. Um, granted, he'll be starting most of the year until Deshaun Watson's ready to go. Um, all right, let's let's put this game. Let's try to put it into a little bit of perspective with expectations going forward. Um, I should always have this ready, but I never do. <laughs> Our predictions for the season and how we thought it would play out. Uh, let me zip down to it real quick here. But I feel like we both I I have a yeah, we both had them losing the Ravens and we both had them beating the Browns. Now, so we're um, things are a little different, I think, going into this game because of what the Browns did in week one and what yeah. the Jets did in week one. But according to our expectations for this team, you and me, Zach, we thought they'd be one and one at this point, And they are one and one at this point. Yep. Now they get to a, an interesting week here because you face a Bengals team that on one hand – I assumed was definitely a loss. This is a team that went to the Super Bowl a year ago. I uh, yeah. was only going to get better, right? Like Joe Burrow is not going to take steps back. This guy is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. This team's going to be great with confidence from going to a Super Bowl. They're Owen too. So like at this point, I don't know what to think. Um, but from the Jets, the way they won this game, which you can look at in two different ways. On one hand, they never quit. Um, they easily could have rolled over down yeah. 13 points with two minutes to go. It would have been very easy to just, all right, head back to New York. Uh, they didn't, they kept their head in the game. They came back and won this thing. On the other hand, we, we just pointed out how bad the defense was. So when you look at this team as a whole, where were your expectations for the next 16 weeks? I'm going to take, I'm going to give you coach speak and say, I'm taking a week by week right now. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, a few guys were pretty thoughtful in the way they talked about, like, you know, obviously they were confident that they could do this kind of thing. Sheldon Rankins, he, he called it confirmed validity is, is the phrase that he learned where, uh, you know, you believe you can do something, but once you actually do it, it's like, okay, we did it. And now we know that we actually can do this. And now, so now we can go forward knowing with that knowledge that it's not just talk that we can do it. So I think this win is really like, no matter how they got it, they got a win. And I think it's going to really be a boost. And you know, I like I, I said before the season, I think this team is good enough to be competitive every week. Neither of us thought they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. Uh, you want to be playing meaningful games, whatever that means, in December, uh, which they haven't done in a long time. And, you know, I, I, I after two weeks, I don't I feel the same way I did before the season. I think they can still do that. I, You know, I, the Bengals are more beatable than I thought they would be, and that's why it's, it's so hard to do this predictions because, you know, you're doing a ba- – all your opinions are mostly based on the previous season. Uh, and then you look at like the Dolphins look like a an offense that, that everybody's gonna have a lot of trouble with, and that, that's like a very talented team. And that I think we we both might have even had them winning that game. I can't remember. Um, I think we might have had them splitting with yeah, Miami. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. That looks and 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 this like the Steelers like they're a team that you know maybe they don't seem scary on paper, but they're the Steelers. Like they they'll have games out. I the schedule doesn't look maybe as scary as it did before. Like the Broncos look like they're a little dysfunctional. The Patriots look bad. So. Maybe this first half of the schedule doesn't look as scary as it did when you looked at it before the season, but uh, this is it's going to be a very week to week Jets team. I think you're going to have a lot of highs and lows. You're going to have week, especially when Zach Wilson gets back, because just because the nature of how he plays, and since we don't really know if he's ready to take the next step yet, and all that stuff, you're going to have weeks where maybe he has a great game and the offense goes off, or you're going to have a week where the defense has a great game and they get some sacks and stuff, and you're going to have weeks where the secondary falls apart again and. Um, and this team's and fans are going to be frustrated. So I think it, it'll eventually even out. They'll get to the, you know, six to eight win range that we all predicted before the season. I think uh, I don't feel any differently about that. It, now, really, 
I mean, we're going to keep saying it. I've been saying it even this podcast. It, it really, the season comes down to Zach Wilson. Like, how far or, or not they go is going to come down to him and if he's good enough to to lead this team because they clearly have the talent on offense. I think that's unquestionable. I think we, we see that with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Maybe the tight ends haven't been as good as you would like. Offensive line getting better. The running backs are really good. Um, so I, I feel good in saying that the talent around Zach Wilson is going to be perfectly fine. So it, it, it's really just – it's all on his shoulders, and that's what – he deserves as the number two overall pick. Um, and he needs to prove to everybody that, that he can handle that. We both have them three and six going into the bye week. If that becomes four and five, second half of the season, I think it's really interesting. But, yeah. but we'll see if they can get there, break down the season into little bits. You mentioned Zach Wilson. That's the transition to what we need to finish mm. this episode on, which is, is there any chance Zach Wilson is ready to play week three? Um, I know he's practiced the last couple of weeks weeks they say they want him at 110 percent um is there any chance i guess is there any chance he's ready to play but then the other question is considering how well joe flacco played this week would you even bother either either way i, I would say he's not playing this week I, I, whether flacco had a good game this week or not i, I know fan, fans have been saying that all week because they saw the videos him warming up in practices last week and stuff they're not rushing him back i think they're committed to not doing that um if they did rush, if they did bring him back this week, then that would be another instance of us being told one thing about injuries and then the other thing happening. So I, I don't see that happening. I think they're going to take it one more week. They trust Joe Flacco to go out there. Obviously, uh, they don't have to deal with the Mike White noise. Which you know, it felt it felt inevitable because it's Cincinnati and that's the team that he went off against last year. And you know, the Bengals are going to remember that too. But yeah, so I, I still anticipate Zach Wilson week four Pittsburgh. I know. So, Earlier, people seemed to think in the comments that I was saying that I think they should keep Joe Flacco as a starter. I was not saying that necessarily, but I I, I think that it's at least going to be like a thought process of like, okay, is Zach Wilson 100% yet? If not, all right, we trust Joe. We can get him another week if we have to. But yeah, to answer your question, no, I don't see Zach this week. I, I, I hope we see him more practicing more. He was limited last week. I imagine they'll start incorporating him in the team drills. That should, that's not a report. That's just me guessing. Um, and if they start doing that and he comes out feeling okay, then then you're on a good track there. All right. One last thing before we say goodbye, and that is an emotional win like this when the team rallies and, and obviously didn't quit. I assume at some level, Chris Strebler <laughs> was behind the scenes pulling strings, right? I mean, he had to. I, I'm sure he – I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. I'm sure he was encouraging them before they went out for that last drive. Um, and, yeah, so Chris Strebler, yeah, he's he's probably going to be uh, – See who are they, they're playing the Bengals. So he's probably going to pretend to be Joe Burrow this week, and he's going to do a great job. Tremendous job. Well, <laughs> hopefully he's he's gets them ready by play, being last year's Joe Burrow and not week one and two. <laughs> Joe Burrow, we'll see. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. If you want to join The Athletic, you can. Great deal running a dollar a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. You can read all of Zach's great stuff, all of our other football writers. We just added some more great talent to our writing group on the football side. Plus, baseball is heading towards the playoffs. Basketball and hockey are ready to go. So much great stuff on The Athletic and so affordable right now, a dollar a month for up to six months. Zach, enjoy the week. Fans, enjoy the week. The Jets are one and victory one. Victory Monday. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your Victory Monday. We'll talk to you again later this week.